1 Corinthians chapter 9, 24 to 27. If you're taking notes, I am going to re- preach a message, but I'm explaining a second called My New Year's Resolution. But it's not going to be exactly what you think. My New Year's Resolution for, for 2014. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27 says, do, not, do you not know that those who run in a race all run? How many know we're all running in a race tonight? But only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And, and I, I think there needs to be a clarity on that 24. Sometimes we hear that verse and we think, okay, if we're all running and only one's going to get the prize, what happens to the rest of us? Well, what they're trying to say, he's trying to say in that verse is when you finish, you get a prize. Yeah. Amen? There's a lot of people. You got to picture life and especially in God as a marathon. Many, many, many people start a marathon. Thousands. Sometimes 20, 30,000 at the Boston Marathon start a marathon, but very few people finish the marathon. And so we're not going to be people who start the race. We're going to be people who finish the race. So he says many people try to be in the race, but only one receives the prize. The one that will receive the prize is the one who finishes the race. So he says everyone who competes, verse 25, for the prize is temperate in all things. They do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run, not with uncertainty, I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So when I start to think about the words resolution, my New Year's resolution, everybody makes resolutions, I want you to say, I want you to understand the part of that word that is resolute. Okay? So when I say my New Year's resolution, that's not, uh, I have a goal to lose 10 pounds. My New Year's resolution is a state of mind. My resolution comes from the word resolute, which means purposeful, which means determined. I'm going to read you some things from the dictionary, which means unwavering. There's a spirit in me that says I'm purposefully determined and resolved. I'm single-minded. My mind is on one thing. I'm firm. I'm unswerving. I'm unwavering. I'm steadfast. These are all the cinnamons from the dictionary. I'm staunch in my, in my belief. I'm unfaltering. I'm unhesitating. I'm persistent. How many of all these words are what we need as Christians? I am tenacious, I'm strong-willed, I'm unshakable. So when I say my New Year's resolution, I'm saying that I am resolute in my spirit to walk with God, to be unshaken, to be undetoured, to be ferocious and tenacious and and, and, uh, resolved in the fact that I'm going to finish the race in 2014 whatever goals you put that's the spirit you have to have is a spirit of resolution how many are following me and we have to understand that as we start a new year and we start fresh with a lot of new things 2013 as they say is over and we've talked about this before it doesn't matter it's just another day i saw someone put uh, on a post they said uh 2013 blah 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 2014 blah 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 just do it right so there's a lot of stuff that people put and you can get caught up in a lot of things and, and all these resolutions and these things. But the bottom line is, it is just another day from yesterday to today. Nothing really is different except a date. But there is a spirit behind a new year that somehow makes us feel like I've got a new start. That's just a fact. We can't run away from that. There is a newness in a new year. 
And someone can, and you do have to have a kind of a cutoff date. That's why New, New Year's are good. You say, okay, what have I accomplished and what have I not accomplished? School years have dates they start and state they, dates they end. Everything has a beginning and everything has an end. And so that's what's good about years, is that we can say, what goals did I accomplish in 2013? What areas did I fail in in 2013? What areas can I get better in? What areas did I grow in? And all these things you can look back on. That's why it's so good to write down these goals. Because if you don't write anything down, you don't know what to look back on. And see where you've come and what you've done. And so we need to understand that as we start a new year and we are resolute in our spirits, unshaken, unwavered, determined, we got to understand that a lot of times the reason we fail is we're trying to do stuff that we're not really good at. If you set up yourself to fail, then you're going to be discouraged as a believer and you're going you're gonna to go look, you're going to go backwards. I, if, it makes me think of a story of a boy who is, loves baseball. And he goes out to play by himself. He doesn't have any friends around. And so he gets his baseball cap and he puts it on. And he got, grabs his baseball bat and he grabs his ball and he grabs his glove. And he's walking out to the open field. And he gets out there and he makes sure his hat's on good. And he puts the bat on his shoulder. And he grabs that ball and he throws it up in the air. And as he throws it up in the air, he said, and he has this really confident look on his face as he's walking out. You know, he knows what he's going to do. He throws that ball up in the air and he says, I'm the greatest batter in the world. And he swings and misses and says, strike one. So after he does that and he misses, he puts, goes down, picks up the ball, starts looking at the ball, making sure nothing's wrong with the ball. Puts that bat on his shoulder again. Throws it up in the air. I'm the greatest hitter in the world. Whiff. Strike two. He missed it again. So he goes back down. Picks up the ball. Adjusts his hat. This time he looks at the bat to make sure there's no hole in it. Something's got to be something wrong here, right? So he puts that bat on his shoulder again. He's confident. He throws that ball up. I'm the greatest hitter in the world. Whiff again. Strike three. Thinks about it for a second and says, hmm, I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. Amen. See? You got, you got to figure out that maybe what you're doing is not your best thing to do, but you can change it and turn it around and do something else and be good at it. Amen? A lot of times when we watch other people we look at other, we should study people. We should study people. We should watch people that do good. We should watch people that do bad. If you're going to make it for God, you need to learn to be a people person as far as studying and watching people. If you want to have a good marriage, you need to look at bad marriages and good marriages. If you want to be a good father, a good mother, you need to look at bad parents, and I'm not going to say who is who, amen, and good parents. I don't know where they're at. I'm just saying, you, you know, you find people who are doing something right, or you saw, find some people that are struggling. It doesn't make them bad. And you look at both, and you learn from them, and you try to say, what is it that they're doing good? What is it that they're doing bad? And we should be watching, because that encourages us to be better. And we have to have a standard to live up to. And so we have to be careful as we start a new year and we start thinking about what's, what's really important for me as a believer this year. What, what can I do to not make the same mistakes I made last year? What can I do to grow from where I was last year? How many know as believers we should not be any longer on milk if we've been saved for a while? 
We should start to be eating the meat. We shouldn't have to be drinking milk still. We should be growing. These things should be changing. We should be getting better on these things. And so it made me think uh, today, a friend sent me a video, and it was an awesome video. And it was a video that said the the title was uh, 10 uh, Church Plants in 10 Years. He knows about our fellowship. He's not in our fellowship but he knows about our fellowship, he knows what we do, and he sent it to me to encourage me. I know that's why he sent it. He sent it to put it in front of me. He's, he's a friend that's always encouraging me, staying, try, try to stay in shape, to, to, to be accountable. He's a good longtime friend, and he sent it, and I watched it. It was only two minutes long, and I started to watch it, and it was about this pastor that God had spoke to him to plant 10 churches in 10 years. And that was a big, big, big uh, vision. And so he got up and he said yes to God's plan and the video starts showing all these churches and it shows pictures of a pastor and his wife or the congregation and a date in the city and it's like bam, 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 bam. There's just a ton of them. It's only a two minute video. It ends up being that they didn't plant 10 churches in 10 years. They planted 50. Yeah, so I'm going, wow, amen. But at the same time, I felt like I haven't done anything for God. Are you following me? So I can look at that video and I can be excited for them and I am because that's, that's God's kingdom. But I can also look at my life and think, man, what have I done? We haven't planted a church yet in five years. What, what are we doing? Amen. And, and you can look at something like that and you can get discouraged. Or you can say, okay, I haven't planted 50 churches in 10 years, but what am I going to do this year? What am I going to do better this year than I did last year? Because a lot of times when we look at people's lives or situations, we can get encouraged or discouraged by what we see. And a lot of times the devil will put that in front of us just to get us to stop. And say, you're not doing anything. You might, you might go back to something as small as trying to pray. And you hear somebody else that, man, they pray for an hour a day. And you're saying, man, I'm trying to get five minutes in. And you get discouraged. You might just stop praying altogether because you don't really see it happen like you think it should happen. How many understand what I'm saying? We have to be resolute in our convictions. And as you make your goals, you don't need to base your goals off of what other people are making their goals off of. You need to ask God, what God, what do you want me to do? That pastor answered the call. God spoke to him, and he said, I want you to start this, this church. First of all, how many know before you start 10 churches, you've got to start a church? So that man started a church. And then out of that went the 10, and it went above and beyond. But God's speaking to you this year to do something. I don't know what he's speaking for you to do. I don't know what it is that you've been hearing God's voice say to you to do that you're not doing. But you do. And you need to answer what God's telling you to do. And it may be something really big or maybe something really small or most likely it's probably both. He's probably telling you something really big that you could do if you'd start doing the really small thing he's been asking you to do. Amen? What are you good at? You need to ask yourself that. What am I good at? What is my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What am, what am I really good at and what am I not so good at? Maybe you're, maybe you're hitting your set against, head against the wall trying to do something for God that you're not really good at. But you're just being obedient. Maybe there's something else that God has for you that's better, that you're better at, that he's, he'd give you an opportunity to do if you just pray about it. 
So you have to decide, I'm going to be resolute, and I'm not going to let that get in my way, and I'm not going to be discouraged. Go to Philippians chapter 3, and I'm just going to show you one more verse tonight in Philippians chapter 3. Many of you have heard this verse before. It's very common and known, but it's a good one for the beginning of a year. Philippians chapter 3. Say amen when you get there. This is the attitude that we have to have as believers. Not that I have already attained. Not that I, so how many know that no matter what you're doing, no matter what goal you're shooting for, you haven't reached it yet. And even if you've reached a goal, God's got a bigger goal behind it. We can't be satisfied and just say, oh, I did that last year. I, I got to that point and sit back and say, okay, I'm done. God's always going to have a bigger goal after one is, is completed. Till the day we go home. He says, I'm not, oh, I have not already attained. I am, I'm not already perfected. He says, but I press on. I press on. If you don't get anything else out of this service or message or this year, get this. Press on. Be resolute in going forward. As long as you're not going backwards, you're not losing the battle. Amen. Try to stay forward. Try to look ahead. He says that I may lay a hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid a hold of me. Amen. For that which I've also laid a hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself, listen, to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forward to those which are ahead. Pastor Paul said this on Sunday. We are too busy trying to unscramble scrambled eggs in our lives. You cannot keep wasting your time trying to go back and fix things that are already broken. Fix things that have already messed up. Fix things that are already in the past. Amen? Leave them alone. Quit spending so much time on it. Quit crying over spilled milk. When you get older, you start understanding all these sayings. They make a lot more sense. They make any sense to you when you're younger. Some of you young people go, what in the world does that mean? When you get older, you understand it. It means crying over that spilt milk is not going to make the milk go back in the bottle. Go to the store and buy another gallon. Amen. But when we're immature, we just whine about it and we just cry about it. And then instead of cleaning it up and going to get another gallon, we just, we just let it get sour. How many know bad milk stinks? You better clean up that milk when it's spilled. Because if you get a little bit under the fridge and it doesn't get cleaned up, Give it a couple days. You're going to walk into that kitchen. It's going to stink. Amen? You can't cry over it. Crying over it's not going to help it. Clean it up and fix it. Go get another gallon of milk and move on. He says, I'm not, I'm not going to look back anymore. I'm not going to make it seem like I've already arrived where I'm at. But one thing I do, right? Underline that in your Bible. One thing I do. This is the key to the message. One thing I do. How many know this year the best thing you could do is you write down 10 goals is do one of them good? How many are following me? Try to do all 10. Try to complete all 10. But don't focus on just a little here and a little there. Try to get one of those doing really good. And once you get done one going really good and you've formed a habit and you start getting some dominion of that, then move on to the next thing. But finish it. 
He says, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? That's what our every year challenge has to be. How much, how much revelation did you get last year personally in your own life for your own walk of God for you? You've got to get to a place where you're not weaning and living off of everybody else's revelation. Amen? Revelation simply means the understanding of what God is trying to teach you personally. Because as a message is being preached right now, this is the amazing thing about the Holy Spirit. You hear people say all the time, it doesn't really matter. You've got to understand, it doesn't matter what message is preached. You might say, man, I need to hear a message on this, so I need to hear a message on that. Did you realize that if you come with the right spirit and the right attitude, it doesn't matter if it's preached on finances like Pastor Paul Sunday morning or time Sunday night or goals like tonight or whatever, or healing or, or sin or hell or whatever it is, you're going to walk out with some kind of revelation for your life if you're listening and you're asking God to speak to you. You've got to get to a place where you have your own personal revelation. L reading books and listening and, 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 and all that stuff is excellent and we need it because you need to fill yourself up with that stuff. I've got a friend that always, always, always is sending me texts making quotes on, the, on, on, different, on like Facebook or Instagram or different things. He sends me texts all the time and I, and I start reading it and then I look down at the bottom and it says somebody's name. And that's great. But you know what I told him this morning? I said, this is my goal for you this year, that you'd send me some quotes and thoughts that are yours. Amen. Did you get that? Yeah. We're always trying to grab somebody else's revelation. Now listen, when there is no revelation, when you don't have anything at the moment, that's, there's nothing wrong with using it. But you better get to a place where you, God speaks to you. Where you stop and see what that is to me is it, it, part of it is, is wisdom, obviously, because you're grabbing something of an experience of somebody else. But another part of it to me sometimes can be lazy because you need to stop for yourself and think, what is God telling me about this? What, what is he showing me? What angle should I be looking at this from my life? Listen, I'm not taking away from these people who have great sayings. I use, these, use them all the time. But we've got to get to a place, you know, I could, just, I could just do messages. I could just go in there on the computer and I could just sit there for five minutes and I could just type something in and I could just copy and paste, print it out and come out here and just read it to you guys. And, and it's God's word and it would work. But it's not the same as when I pray and when I ask God to show me what he wants me to tell you. And then I pray about it. And then when I get something and then I think about it, how does this relate to my life? And how will this relate to your life? And I put my revelation and my, ins my insight and my spirit into it. And then I give it to you and your spirit and your insight and your revelation takes it and does what it does for your life. And the same message can speak 25 different things to 30 different people, 50 different people, 100 different people, because the Spirit of God is living and alive. But I'm saying, I'm, I'm going to get something for myself out of this. But where, what areas, I can't sit here and tell you, hey, you need to work on this. I don't know what you need to work on. You do. I don't know what areas you struggle in. You do. 
My call and my job is to get the word out to you and to challenge you. And then you need to take it and say, this is for me. This is what I need to do. But you know what? There are a few things that you can do on a daily basis that are called consistency, that are called resolution, and a resolute spirit that will help you make it. Little things. And, and I've talked about it for years and it hasn't changed. You have to make time. And here we go again, 2014. Try it again. You've got to make time in your day to, sp- to pray to God. Have to. Why don't you make a goal this year that you're going to make sure, and I'm just throwing out a number. You do whatever you want, but I hope it's more than 30 seconds. I'm going to pray 10 minutes every day. If I have to look at the clock and make myself pray, I'm going to pray for 10. I'm going to make sure I pray. You know, when you go to get ready for work or school in the morning, don't you like, you know, go to the drawer and get your underwear and your socks out? Don't you look at what clothes you're going to wear? Don't you, don't you figure out, hey, what am I going to eat when I get ready to go to work? Don't you do all kinds of things all day long to go for your day that you need to do? Why wouldn't we make sure we spend some time in prayer? Why wouldn't we make sure that we talk to God and say, Lord, what are you saying to me today? What, what, what can you speak to me? Today? I need to hear your voice. I need to hear something. Lord, I humble myself before you. You know what? You could take, some, it kills me. Some people say, I don't think I could pray five minutes. You could pray 10 humbling yourself. Amen. And I'm speaking to myself too. Did you get that? I don't know what to say. Humble yourself for 10 minutes. You'd be amazed at how fast time flies doing that. Lord, show me what, it, what attitudes I have or what things I need to change. Or what, Lord, show me what secret sins. I, I guarantee you that, that time will start to move if you take time for it. If, did, how many were here Sunday night? Well, you don't have to raise your hand, but, and you heard Pastor Paul mention about the time, and he started talking about, I think, 13 years we spend out of 75 watching TV. 13 years. That one stuck out. I think there was seven years in a car. There was all these weird numbers of how much time we spend. And I saw today something else that if you start, we're going to go with the SMOs. We know that most of us here, especially Wednesday night, if you're here, you come Wednesday night, you come Sunday morning, you come Sunday night, you come every time the doors are open to church and you get more time in that. But let's go off a Sunday morning only person, just someone, because a lot of churches only have that. If you just came to church Sunday morning and you went to church every Sunday morning for your entire life, did you know that you'd only spend like 5,500 hours in church out of, compared to 13 years watching TV? That's a humbling thought. And then you need to ask yourself, what, how much time do I read the Bible compared to how much time I spend watching TV? Come on, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to get you to think about what's important. Because I want you to think tonight as you're resolute about what's important to you. Nobody in here saying you can't watch TV. Nobody's in here saying anything legalistic. Sell your TV. Get rid of your TV. Don't go to a movie. Don't do it. We're not doing that. But we're trying to get you to understand what is really important to you is what you're going to focus your time on. And you don't want to look back at the end of your life and say, man, I watched TV for 13 hours and read the Bible for two. 
Sorry, 13 years and read the Bible for two. That's not a good correlation, comparison. How much time did I spend in prayer? How much time did I spend helping people? How much time did I spend outreaching? All these different things we need to think about are really, really important. Amen? So I want to I just do something tangible tonight before I finish with an illustration. You know, a lot of things, another thing we do a lot of times is we don't invest our money in the right things. When I first got saved, I thank God for the pastor that discipled me. And he took me to a bookstore, a Christian bookstore. I'll never forget it. And we were, me and Carla were not married very long. We didn't have a lot of money. Me and Pastor Paul and Emily and Carla were talking about this over the weekend, just the struggles of starting as a young couple and how, you know, our kids later on, they look at us and they see things we have that we didn't have when we were their age. And they don't know the struggle because they only see what we have later on, almost 20 years married. And, you know, the struggles of not having new furniture and maybe having a table that people coming over to visit is being held up by two books on one of the corners of the leg. You know, just this stuff like that. I don't know if anybody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> struggles. And all that stuff. And, and I didn't have a, a lot of money and was trying to pay the bills and, and raise a family and, you know, take care of Kristen that was young at that time. He took me to a bookstore and he said, you need, you need a concordance. You need a topical Bible. And he started, you need a, you need a commentary. And I still have those books today. And I remember this was 20 years ago, maybe 18 years ago, let's put it. And I was in that bookstore with him. And, and, I, and he said, Here, here's a commentary you need or a concordance. It might have been a strong concordance. And I turned that thing over and looked at the price and it was $80. 18 years ago. I'll never forget the price. I thought, oh my gosh. How am I going to buy this? $80 for, a, for one book. I ended up buying three or four books. I spent over $200 on a library. But see, he was teaching me what was important. And you might think, well, what, I, what have I spent in just relation to today? What have I spent $200 on? We don't whine about buying $200, spending $200 on a Christmas gift. or $200. I'm not going to get into all the stuff you can spend money on. But, and I'm not going to dog you tonight if you don't have a good Bible. But have you gone and bought a good Bible? One, that, one that's not sitting on the shelf over there? And listen, I don't know who has what Bible tonight. So don't, don't think I'm picking on anybody in particular. I'm giving you an example. Have you invested in a nice Bible? Something that's yours. Something that you take pride in. Well, it's the same letter. Yeah, but what are you investing in compared to that? Come on, y'all got quiet on me now. What's going on? Amen? Spend some money on some things that really matter. There's three things that I think are really important, and there's no necessarily particularly one to do. I have to pray in the morning. Oh, you're the pastor. You're supposed to pray. I'm human just like you. I make myself come up to this church and pray. My flesh doesn't like mornings. I don't like mornings. I'm not a morning person, but I make myself get up early and come and pray. To discipline my body. And once I get done spending time in prayer, I go and I read the Bible. And I have some things I'm going to show you tonight. You don't have to get these exact things, but I thought as we start off the year, here's some important things I can show you. One thing is, this is a great book right here to have, the one-year Bible. These are just some ideas for you. Tangible ideas that you guys can look into getting a one-year Bible. Pastor Paul was mentioning this Sunday, you know, reading the Bible through in one year. 
Have I ever read the Bible through, you should ask yourself. Have I ever gone through the entire Bible? You know, he was talking about reading 70 or 80 books this year. Shame on you if you've read 10 books this year and haven't read the Bible. Come on, somebody give me an amen. Thank you. Come on, we got to be prioritizing our time. This is important. And so we got to make sure we read the Bible. And so sometimes if I say, oh, I'm going to read five, I'm going to read 10 chapters a day. That's how we do as human beings. We like to, we like to go big. Many of you have already said, I'm going to run 10 miles a day. I'm going to read 10 chapters a day. I'm going to pray two hours a day. You've already set all this stuff up and you got up this morning and did none of them on the very first day. So you're 0 for 1 like the kid with the baseball bat. Come on. But if you get help, you get a book like this that has a date on it. See, I need guidelines. That's me. I need the Bible to tell me what the date is, April 6th. And I need to say, okay, I'm going to read this. And then it gives you a little bit of the Old Testament. It gives you a little bit of the New Testament. It gives you a Psalms and a Proverbs. And it helps you make sure you get your reading in. How many are following me? So a good one-year Bible is really, really important. Now, you guys know I like to preach out of the New King James, but that's what I preach with. There's nothing wrong with reading the NIV or the, uh, another, another, you know, the Amplified or whatever for your daily reading for you to understand. But don't make it a doctrine out of that because there's a lot of things missing out of the NIV. But it's okay for a daily reading for you to understand it. Sometimes the King James or the New King James can be hard to understand. Okay, so this is a Bible. This is reading the Bible and making sure that you read some pages out of it. I think I've had this thing for 15 years, maybe. Another one, this is my favorite, is to have a devotional. Get a devotional. Doesn't have to be this one, but this is a good one. Smith Wigglesworth. It's one page usually. July 3rd, just throw it out of date. It's just one page. He gives a verse. He gives a story. It's, just, just, it's, it's short, but it's very easy and common to understand. So this is a good one, a daily devotional. Anything by Smith Wigglesworth is good. But there's a lot of good daily devotionals out there. And I'm not going to throw out who you shouldn't read. You can ask me that later. Because there's some people you shouldn't probably read. And then I was in Mardell's one day, and I got this called Walking with God. This is a really good little another daily devotional. You could have two. And so let me just pick a day here, for example, and I'll read this. This is something... See, because you're not as, we're not disciplined enough to, to sit down in the morning and say, God, give me a revelation from your word today, God. Give me a sermon out of this thing, Lord. Lord, show me the five steps to making it today. We don't have time for that. We have to go to work and we have to do things. So you get something that's already been done and you get it in you. It'd be like cooking a breakfast from scratch or grabbing a bowl of cereal. Okay, they're both going to feed you, but if you try to do it from scratch, you won't make it to work. Get me? So you get something else that'll help you. So this says, just listen, this is just one day. Hope and trust in God, it's called. Love fills the heart with hope. Then it has a verse. Brothers, 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Brothers, we do not want you to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. And it says, hope and despair are found in the hearts of people and in circumstances. Love is so important because it causes hope to triumph. When things are at their darkest, hope rises through love to light the darkness of night. There is no room for despair. God has enough love to take care of it. 
He has woven hope into the nature of man so that if we trust in the future, so we can trust in the future. When all is hopeless, it is hope that keeps us going. Hope strengthens the soul so that we can hold on to eternity and on to the love of God, which his, sorry, his love is infinite. He gives us hope out of love. So that's just simple little devotion right there. And then it has a little prayer. Lord, may I never believe that anyone is hopelessly lost. Because in love, you sent your son to save the lost. And so I get a thought in my spirit for the day. Now, God, out of these things, can give me a revelation. He can give me something else. Or you might be reading the one-year Bible and something pops out. Or you might be reading your devotion and something pops out. But these are things that you can do every day and say, I'm going to make sure I read these things like you make sure you put your underwear on. Like you make sure you eat. Like you make sure you grab your wallet before you leave the house. There's things that, these things should be out. They should be important. They should be part of your day. How many are following me? This is, that's, that's part of being resolute. You can't expect that the book's going to jump off the shelf as you walk out the door, slap you in the face and say, hey, read me. Amen. You got to do it yourself. Lay these things out. Make yourself read them. Make yourself get these things in you. I want to read one last illustration tonight. I thought this was really powerful. Because of the fact that we try so hard to do so many big things and don't focus on the minors, you've got to focus on the little things. Making sure you get those things in. You know, I've talked, I talked about this last year. There's little things that you can try to do every day. You may miss a day, but don't miss two or three or four or five. Amen? You might miss a day. But don't get in a habit of not reading the Bible. Don't, don't, look, don't look back and go, oh my gosh, I haven't read the Bible for a week. That should not happen. Don't, don't look back and say, man, God, I haven't prayed for three days. Those are the things you've got to be careful of. Because you know you're not going to say I haven't eaten for three days. I mean, there's so many other things. You know, you guys, well, you know I bet you don't say, oh, I haven't watched TV for a week. I mean, there's some things you're just not going to do. So why do, we, why do we abandon what really matters in our lives? It's priorities. It's getting in our lives what's important. And I, I got to throw this in. This is, you know, everybody, listen, everybody needs exercise. We've got to do some kind of exercise to stay healthy. It doesn't mean you have to have a gym membership. It doesn't mean you have to do one hour. But I've always told you, park your car further somewhere. Don't look for the best parking place. Walk a little bit. Try to, try to get some steps in. Most phones nowadays have things on them, apps on them, or even built-in things that will count your steps. And I know this has nothing to do with spiritual except for the fact that you'll live longer if your heart's good. They're like the, the, I know you're going to think I'm doing a promotion for my phone, but the S4 has... This thing that shows S health, it's called. And it automatically, as you walk with it, counts your steps. Tells you've reached your goal, you're halfway there, and it motivates you. And if you would say, along with these things, I'm going to walk 10,000. I don't know what it is, but there's something scientific about 10,000 steps. There's something healthy about walking that much. My wife and I invested in these things we have on our wrist right here called the Fitbit. Well, you spent $50, you spent $100 on that. What do you spend $100 on? I want to be healthy. I want to try to live longer. So this thing marks my walking and my steps. I'm trying to have something conscious to help me be healthy. Are you following me? It's not just this. 
We need to try. So you might, you might be like me that likes to eat. I like to eat. I'm not going to stop eating. I'm not going to stop eating chocolate. Y'all might have seen the Instagram thing I put. I'm a, I love it. I got it from Ashley. I'm a, I, would, I would try to quit eating chocolate, but I'm not a quitter. Amen. I'm not going to quit eating. I'm going to try to eat good, but I'm not going to quit eating. I'm going to exercise. But you can do some of these things to help you along with your spiritual. I'm just throwing out that one thing. I'm not saying get on the treadmill. I'm not saying run, get on a bike, but try to walk a bunch of steps each day. And at the end of the day, if you only have 5,000 or 7,000 steps, get, your, get out and walk the sidewalk. Go around the neighborhood once. Just try to get these few things in every day and you'll find out how good you'll feel spiritually and physically. Listen to this illustration. And I'll go ahead and let the musicians come as well. A while back, an expert on the subject of time management was speaking to a group of business students. Pay attention, this is powerful. After speaking to them for a while, he said, okay, it's time for a quiz. He set a one-gallon wide-mouthed mason jar in, on a table in front of him. And he started to grab... Um, hold on a second, I, I just lost my place. Sorry, then he produced about a dozen fist-sized rocks and he carefully placed them inside the jar one at a time until he had filled it up. When the jar was filled to the top and no more rocks would fit inside he said is this jar full this is the quiz everyone in the class said yes really he said then he reached under the table and pulled out a bucket of gravel he dumped some gravel into the jar shook it causing pieces of gravel to work themselves down into the spaces between the big rocks then he smiled and asked the group once more is the jar full now they were catching on. They said, probably not, one of them said. Good, he replied. And he reached under the table and brought out a bucket of sand. Then he grabbed a pitcher of water. Sorry, he started dumping the sand in it and filled all the spaces between the rocks and the gravel. And once that was done, once again, he said, is this jar full? Now, everybody said, no, it's not full. He said, good. He grabbed a pitcher of water and he poured the water into the jar until it was totally filled to the brim with water. Watch this. Then he looked back at the class and said, what is the point of this illustration? The, the one, one eager man raised his hand and said, the point is, no matter how full your schedule is, if you try really hard, you can always fit something more into it. Now that's what I thought the answer would be. That's the answer I would have given and most of us in here would have given. No, the speaker replied. That's not the point. The truth is, this illustration teaches us one thing. If you don't put the big rocks in first, you'll never get them in at all. That's powerful. And that many, many times is our day if you're honest we do all these little things that don't matter and don't amount to a hill of beans as they would say and then maybe at the end of the day we try to cram in the word we try to cram in a devotion we try to cram in a prayer and the things already filled up with little things that really don't matter he says no you got to get the big things in first 
You got to start off your day with this. This is what it really means. Each day, each day, as you put the big rocks in first, you're saying, God, this is what really matters to me. This is what really matters to me. Prayer is what really matters to me. You start your day off by filling yourself up with the big, important things that matter. And then once that's done, this is, this is why I make myself get up and pray in the morning. This is why I discipline myself to get up when I don't want to get up at an hour I don't like getting up and discipline my, my, my body to pray. Because once I've prayed and once I've spent time in the Word and once I've filled my jar up with what's really important, then God doesn't mind me throwing some sand in and some gravel in and some water in of my desires because the big important stuff is already done amen isn't that good that's what if you don't get anything else tonight get that illustration how can I make sure every day that I get in the things that matters you know what this comes down to Matthew 6 seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these things shall be added unto you